Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, where we look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing why it's okay to cheat in water polo, but not okay to cheat in football. So yeah, I want to start us off on this one. So I was, we were in the middle of the World Cup and I was watching, uh, I've watched a number of games where, where what really annoys me is the amount of cheating that goes on in football um, with people. I think this is already a bit preloaded. Well, well, no, bear with me, bear with okay, me. Okay, let's run with cheating for now. Yeah, where people essentially are breaking the rules of football um, by doing things like diving, i.e. Um, they look like they've been, they're pretending they've been tackled and really hurt, but actually they've not been touched or they're exaggerating it or they're pushing. There's just a lot of skullduggery, let's say, right? Uh, and being a sort high of... High japes. Hi, no, no high japes. Well, uh, beyond, high beyond... J- you mean high jinks? High jinks, rather. Right. Yeah, high jinks. Yeah. Just a lot of cheating, and it brings out the sort of the little England in me. Oh, bloody foreigners! They've why don't you know there's good British values? I've got some interesting stats about that. So, so right. have I actually. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, however, this made me ask the following question to myself, which is: When I was younger, I used to play a lot of water polo, um, and in theory, uh, for anyone who's not terribly familiar with it, um, in theory, water polo is a non-contact sport. However, it is the most vicious physically aggressive game that I've ever played um, and there's a lot of fouling that takes place and there's a lot of skullduggery there's a lot of uh, faking that you've been tackled and and doing all sorts of things and it's underwater which, so presumably it's hard so you to... can't see it um, however um, the kind of the, the prevailing culture of it is well that's just part of the game um, but I once had a furious argument um, with friend of the podcast, Andres Taxir, an Argentinian, precisely on this topic. And he said to me what I've just said about water polo, which uh, regarding football, which is, well, it's just part of the game. OK, so why is it I was questioning myself? I questioned myself. Why is it I get so um, annoyed and hung up in football with, with precisely the same behavior in water polo just makes you go, well, that's just part of the game. And, and Am for, I a total hypocrite? Well, uh, for those who know nothing about water polo, it's very unlike polo. There, for instance, there are no horses involved. Not usually. At all. Not usually, no. No sticks. No sticks. There is, is there water involved? There is water. There right. is water. Some, um, some, yeah. But the fact it's that, basically underwater yeah, football. The, the, is that, yeah, there are, there are two teams. Yeah, pretty much. And there's a ball, and that's about all it has in common with water polo. With, with, polo. with polo, rather. Yeah, yeah, that's about polo. it. Yeah. So what's going Air on polo. with what's going on with me here? S- sort me out. What's going on? Why why do I have these double standards? Uh, well, uh, that's I feel like that's a, something we should tackle a little bit after we get, get through the issue of what we're talking about here, which is um, in football, uh, you are allowed to attempt to take the ball off someone. What you're not allowed to do is attack the player and try and trip them up and all of that sort of thing. Right? Same in water polo. Okay, I'm not disputing that. I'm simply saying that we'll tackle that issue in a bit. But for the people like me who don't know anything about football, it's worth covering a bit of why this is an issue. Now, there is a widespread perception that people pretending that they've been um, fouled, so a foul being when someone has not simply tried to take the ball you know in a good fair and square sort of way but has 
trip the player up or or hit them or you know wrestle them to the ground or whatever um that's a foul and in football if you are uh fouled then you get might be a free kick could be a penalty you get some sort of tactical reward from being fouled right so that's the issue here is that is that players there is an advantage in looking like you've been fouled by the opposition okay so uh it, uh, there is a perception that this is increasingly prevalent, that people are pretending to have been fouled by falling over and writhing around um, more than they did in the golden age uh, of football, which is whenever you were yeah. a kid. Oh, no, it's so, always 20 uh, uh, years yeah. previous from where you are now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. look, okay. I, just, so, uh, I mean... So, so that, that's the you're, issue. You're here, loading like, this, but anyway, keep yeah, going. Yeah, but yeah, no, but is, now the question is, is that true? And I have to say... You know, I can't find any. I think it's a false premise you're setting up. But go on. What? Which bit? The bit that there's when you talked about that there's a golden age. I don't. No, I'm not. I don't think that was. I was just being. There was a throwaway comment. Yeah, I think. But I do think there's a. um, I think there's another podcast in what is a golden age. Yeah. Okay. So the thing is that um, everyone thinks this has got worse, and everyone we all know who to blame. The Argentinians, Latin Americans. They brought their slimy, slimy, cheaty ways to the English, to the good old-fashioned English game. Well, can I, can now, I jump in there? Yeah, with jump, some, in, some stats jump in, jump in. So, yeah, so this is uh, some stats I found. Amazingly difficult to find data on um, the penalty, uh, the penalty that a, re- a yellow or red card was awarded for. It's just I can't find decent data anywhere, so I have to rely on other pundits' um, a- aggregations and their best guesses. But there was an article I found uh, that talked about the number of bookings for diving so there was a rule change i can't remember i don't know when that meant that you can be booked for diving you can be booked for faking uh for uh, faking that you'd be being, being, that you'd be being booked for it was about 10 years ago but they brought in new punishments last okay. year so you can be awarded a yellow card if you dive essentially and, um, and this article was looking primarily at the english premier league and i don't think it was looking internationally but english premier league players they come from all over the world right um, but so with that in mind, um, the, the in the top six, four of them are also England internationalers. There's one German and one Spanish, uh, one 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 Spanish person on there. All the they're they're all so they're all English. So yes, bearing in mind that this English Premier League is probably going to have more English players than others, but there's not one single South American or. No, but I mean that could all that could indicate is that um, that coming to this sort of more civilized uh, league that they've um, they formed their ways. I yeah, mean, exactly. We've had a, yeah. a no, I, I, I heard somewhere that something like forty-five percent of um, someone I think had created their own data set. Something like forty-five percent of dives. Um, are by English players, and that is apparently the same proportion as English players in the Premier League. Uh, so, so in other words, English players are as big divers as um, these uh, slimy foreigners, is what I'm saying, according to this data set, and I've got no means of verifying yeah, that. Yeah, I just don't believe this. Because right. have any of you watched any World Cup games recently? Yeah, I mean, there was one last night between a country called Colombia and England, and mind you, I had to say, I don't think there was very much diving. There was a lot of wrestling going on, but... Uh, there was some diving, but you're right. There was a lot of wrestling. Um, and people people who've looked at it, you know, looked at um, sort of whether or not 
these rules against diving are having any effect. Um, I think you know there's all you your chance of being booked for for um, for diving is minuscule compared to the chance that you'll get awarded, let's say, a foul. So I think the, the to wrap all of this up, it, it, diving is good it's good play if you want to win right you should because the the costs the potential costs are minuscule very unlikely to mm. to affect you compared to the benefits that you get um you know tactically in terms of your chances of winning so so i think i think the most commentators agree it is uh you know the the reason that the game has evolved in that direction if it has but the point is that the reason it exists and it's prevalent is because um, is because it makes sense to do that. Mm-hmm. So so I think, and this is where I think the crux of it, of your original question, Fraser, comes in, which is, to what extent? This is the way I'm going to phrase it. To what extent the meta rules are part of the rules? So you have the rules of football tells you how to behave. The meta rules tells you about the enforcement of those rules. Who enforces it? What incentives they have to enforce it properly? What the punishments are for for infringing the rules, etc. And now, are those meta rules still part of the rules? Are you allowed to optimize and say, well, okay, I mean, I'm only going to get, I might get, there's a one in a hundred chance I might get booked, but there's a one in two chance I might get a free kick. So I'm I'm gonna, it's almost my duty. My duty as a football player is to try and help my team win. And if the best thing to do is to pretend to have been injured, then uh, that's what I ought to do. Now, that's one view. Why is that wrong? What is it wrong? Is it, you know, that's, that's the yeah, question. Yeah, I mean... Why are the, are the rules part of the, sure, the, sure, sure. Part of the rules? And is that... I mean, I think it does go back to a cultural thing of, you know, the let's say in, in football, for example, you know, on one level, yes, the point of football is to, to win the game. Um, but there are larger, potentially more important um, values to consider, like good sportsmanship, for example. And that's more important culturally in some, uh, uh, some countries than others. Is that a now, fair way to say And I, I think it, it, this reminds me of a um, discussion I had with a, a friend of mine, former colleague, who uh, is of Italian ancestry, who told me about the concept in Italian culture of the furbo, the furbo who is uh, basically a guy who kind of pulls off stunts and gets away with it. And it's considered to be, that's considered to be a good thing. You know, you're gaming the system. You've got, you found a loophole, you're exploiting it. Well, good, you're getting one back at the man. And, and uh, you know, I feel like this is the same, the same sort of uh, thing, really, is, you know, are, we, are, are you meant to just abide by the rules? Or in your decision, is your decision to abide by the rules? Is that something that should be influenced by how the rules are enforced? And it, and as a big board gamer, I mean, this is a big issue in board game design as well. That you you look at, um, it, it, and this is particularly an issue where you have um, where you have sort of hidden information. So where you are perhaps acting in a way that I can't verify whether you're whether you're abiding by the rules. And uh, normally, good good board game design will will just it will give the people who stand to lose by cheating a means of enforcing the rule so you know there's a game called twilight struggle where you aren't 
allowed to uh, hold on to certain cards. You have to play them at some point during your turn. You can't hold them over till the next turn. And uh, and they've designed a way that you can I, you can show me that the cards you have aren't scoring cards without me knowing what the cards you have, for example. So there's, you know, good board game design will involve in, in, including enforcement mechanisms for those things. Um, and uh, where you don't have that, you know, you just have to trust the people you're playing with. Okay. Where do we go from here? Uh, well, yeah, but f- football is quite different from board games because you, in theory, have perfect information as the rule as the rule enforcer the referee the referee and the linesman and now with uh, replays and things you have perfect information about how to inform your decision so um so that's uh, that's, that's important. yeah how the hell is this a thing how are we able to look at people obviously diving during football games well, and I think and, well, and they're getting away with it. I don't so, but, understand. Well, the but yeah, I, but I think the re, the so correct me if I'm wrong. Know nothing about football. The replays are only used um, when it's a goal decision. Is that right? No, it's. I mean, so a big thing at this World Cup now is that um, anywhere on the pitch. Okay, um, so they can call for a replay anywhere. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. and actually, so. Uh, and what a lot of pundits have been saying is, oh, my God, this was meant to clarify things and sort of clear it all up. But actually, it's making it even worse. And there's an, a now a new level, a higher level of, oh, my God, what's going on? It's just not consistent. Yeah, well, I, well, I, I think, think this new the... rule change from last year, uh, wh- why it was significant. This is just, the, I think, the the Football Association, so in the UK, um, is that you can be subsequently banned for two games if you're found to have deceived a match official. And that's so it, instead of being booked for diving, which relied on the referee, uh, you know, knowing what was going on and enforcing it on the pitch at the time. Um, this is a, this and it has been applied to people. But it basically, uh, if afterwards, you know, the referee couldn't have seen whether or not you've got kicked and you acted like you did, but you weren't, then you can be banned for two games. So it seems like a good, sensible way of doing it. Yeah, um, I, I think what people complain about is that actually this stuff is rarely, if ever, enforced. Um, it now, kind of never happens. Is it worth mentioning the Ford Pinto? Mm, yes. Okay. What is it? The Ford Pinto was a car from the, I believe, late 60s to mid-70s. Wasn't it a des- complete design failure, a huge flop or something? Or... Right, so it was, this is what's interesting, is that uh, they had designed the car with the fuel tank in the front, and, the, in the, and that was, I think, led to some efficiency. Some efficiency valued, it shaved something like $10 off the cost of manufacturing a car. But obviously, it greatly increased the or at least significantly increase the chance of you burning to death in the event that you crashed your car because most collisions are head on or at least mm. you're, you're going to be driving forward. Um, now, Ford, there's a thing called the Pinto Memo where um, the Ford company just evaluated, they did a straight-up cost-benefit analysis and they said, well, look, we can change the production line and all the designs and everything and that'll be, you know, that'll cost us 150 million quid. Um, but if we leave it as it is, uh, then, you know, we, we okay, fair enough, there's going to be some more people burning to death, but we reckon that's probably only worth about 50 million quid um, dollars, I should say. And, um, you know, in terms of in know, law, fairly yeah. reasonable, fairly yeah. reasonable life valuations. Yeah. Well, uh, well, in lawsuits, what they expect to get sued by... Uh, uh, by and, uh, that, just that to, I'm, I'm interested, right. I'm so, curious to see how this leads back to our discuss, uh, 
discussion, but yeah, go for I'm, it. I'm amazed you can't see why this is. So, <laughs> so the point is that this was this was Ford effectively playing the meta rules. They were saying, you know, we we um, there's a kind of rule about car design which says don't design your cars to let people burn to death. But they were saying, well, okay, well, how much does that rule cost us? Like, why don't we try and think of a way of, or why don't we at least just sort of say, well, how much is it worth sort of adhering to that rule? And, you know, what would it cost us if we didn't? And um, and the fact that they did ended up, they, they ended up with, I think, huge fine. And, and uh, were, as a company, you know, lots of people did die as a result of the, uh, of the, of the design. Um, whether or not you think now the question is do you think it's an acceptable type of uh analysis to do to say well okay you know we're not valuing human lives as infinite or we put roll bars and five point harnesses in all our cars right we wouldn't we clearly drive. are putting a value yeah, on we this. wouldn't sell cars we sell trainers or something yeah 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 so so you know that and that to me is it's the same same issue I, it's hard to explain why what they did was wrong in the same way it's hard to explain why it's wrong for someone to um you know to pretend to be injured when that increases their chance of winning the game and then you you know you can also start thinking about well morality and the law now are you you know when you, you could you could take one view which says you shouldn't murder people who you don't like that's one view I don't necessarily subscribe to. It. But the point is that there's one view which says you shouldn't murder people who you don't like. Um, another view might be to say, well, you you should take into account, you can do that, you can go and murder people, that's fine. No one's stopping you doing that. But you should take into account in when you're deciding whether to do it or not, the probability of you getting caught and the downside of being in prison for 25 years. Uh, so, you know, now... Which of those views, we tend to think that the former view is the more moral view. Just don't do it in the first place. Mm. But it's hard to say that someone taking the latter view is wrong. It's hard to say that it's it's not mad, is it? To say, well, okay, murdering someone has a benefit to me because I really don't like them. But there's this potential downside that I need to take into account. Well, now I think I can get away with it. There's probably only a 20% chance I'll get caught. You know, that's an average of four years expected life loss, you know. So uh, I'll go and do it. That to me is the same. It's the same thought process. It's, it's looking at the meta rules. It's the enforcement mechanism and whether you can game that versus looking at just the rules and saying, well, we ought to abide by the rules full stop. Yeah. And unless hypothetically that kind of decision making happens, you think it's in, hypothetical. In it happens in uh, in in business, uh, well, in, in in energy company, big co- big companies who are contributing arguably to pollution of the world and global warming and things, but they are they're balancing the decision. Well, we could we 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 know it's probably a good idea not to to do this anymore, not to pollute this river or to to not uh, spill these chemicals everywhere. But um, what are the what's the cost of the litigation we can expect and where's the balance point when when does it when does it when does it become profitable to start being good mm. um, well, I, sh- I should say by the way i feel like in this discussion i might have come over as though i'm in any way in some way understanding of divers and cheaters mm. i'm not i detest them and particularly like e- even though say, he's a psychopath he detests yeah. it. <laughs> the, the, uh, particularly, bo- I mean, I know there are people who grew up in board game, it's sort of cheaty families, where if you could get away with it, then it was okay. 
and it was considered to be part of the fun was, you know, you would all be secretly trying to, you know, you cheat, you'd move your counter one less uh, square and you'd stash away a little bit of money that people didn't know about. And, you know, like the furbo, you could get away, if you get away with it, that's good, that's part of the fun. I very much take the opposite view, which is it simply means that people spend all their time trying to enforce rules. It just means that you are constantly counting, you're checking everyone, fun. watching for cheating, and it does. In the, and, and this is the argument that people make about football. The point is that you know people oughtn't to be doing it. We shouldn't be saying, well, what's the right punishment for these people? Or what's the, they just shouldn't do it. You know, We shouldn't be trying to work out what the optimal cost-benefit ratio is for diving versus being genuinely injured yeah. or whatever well, well, they should just shouldn't if, be doing it because it makes the game worse if, if everyone if everyone playing the game is okay with the idea of the four bow then it's okay and if everyone's playing the game doesn't like cheaters they they want to play the rule the game by the rules then that's okay but it's when you get the mix that's the problem no but i'm saying it's worse which is why uh, you see I, it more in world cups because unusually get sort of cultures coming together different footballing cultures that don't usually meet they just meet once every four years quite randomly so you get that clash sorry i interrupted you nick no i just think i i i don't think uh it's kind of like all equivalent and it, and to me it's a bit like the discussion we've had before about queuing you know that i think it, there's just no it's very hard to make an argument that not queuing that having a scrum is better than a queue it just isn't on average it's more costly and everyone still gets to serve serve the same time anyway on average and i and i feel like with with cheating if you have a game where uh you know cheating is kind of okay it simply means that we all have a cost that we have to bear which is the cost of you know enforcing the rule of keeping an eye we've got to be constantly watching to see if someone's cheating and we're no better off we're all we're all you know where we were before we're all still playing the game but now we're spending investing resources in enforcing rules whereas if we could just all behave ourselves we wouldn't have to do that we could just spend those resources enjoying ourselves and I, and I think I can totally see the argument. Football is not a game but, of getting away I, with, you know, do, free you kicks. Can, it's a game where you should, you know, what you what do you want to see from a football match? But, you but want you to can, see people put a ball in the back of the onion bag. You don't want to see a bunch of people, you know, writhing around on the floor like idiots. But you can imagine a scenario where people actually take joy in that kind of ca- being catching somebody who's seen as be cheating is is potentially fun in the right sort of circumstance. So... A culture of playing a ball game where you are playing also this meta game adds another dimension to it, and is potentially fun if you if you can if you you can gain some social kudos by being the guy who catches the guy who's cheating. There's some fun in that. No, but well, I mean, it's just what I'm saying is that taken as a whole, it's less fun, certainly for me, and I would argue for everyone. In fact, it's just empirically speaking, is less fun to play that game than it is just to play the sodding game. Just play the game. Don't play the rules, you know? I think we've nailed it. I think we've got to the bottom of it. I feel satisfied with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm glad I got that off my chest because I was rationalising cheating and then I thought, no. But yeah. basically, look, it's still worse. I think like, a lot I get, of... I get, I get why people do it and it makes sense, but it just makes everything worse. Yeah. I think sort of Peter made a good point, though. It's about whether everyone agree- agrees that actually that's really part of the game or not, you know? Um yeah, and that's so. I think you know, with myself going back to how we started with water polo, you know, the things that I did as a water polo player, actually, all other water polo players kind of thought it was all right, and everyone did the same kind of thing. So, so yeah, yeah. 
Um, and that's what, the main reason that Nick never plays water polo. That's right. I just can't stand all this, all this, all this. You know, <laughs> he's got the body for it, but he's just not. Yeah, you better believe it. it. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah. I don't. I don't even know what it is. I think I played it once at school, but um, I don't remember lots of fighting and cheating. But then I probably didn't even know what the rules were. By the way, <laughs> by the way, once a year there was always a, a highlight in the water polo calendar. Okay, um, at my school, um, which was we got to play the local girls' school. And we were an all-boys school. And it was a highlight because they were also another skilled team. <laughs> that, that's the reason yeah. why. Like, um, <laughs> all I say is, you know, happy memories from my adolescent years with those water polo games with, with, with the high school. Um, yeah. It's the one time of the year you get to touch a girl. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, um, let's wrap it up there. Actually, sorry, there might be something which would be good to end on. Go on. I think um, it's worth saying, you know how we think that American sports are for wusses because the, the, you know, we always say, well, all those American football players, they go around wearing armour and, you know, well, they, they sort of, uh, it's, you know, whereas rugby, they all just punch each other and we're tough guys. I, I don't I, think what, that. My problem with American sports is they're incredibly legalistic and full of okay. regulations. And what I, what anyway. I do want to say, though, is that um, it is a source and this may be a motivator for people to stop cheating at football. But um, a lot of Americans see this sort of behaviour in in uh, what they call soccer and despise it, I think quite rightly, to look at it and say, well, this is pathetic. How can you call this a sport? All, of, all you're doing is like writhing around on the floor all the time. And, um, you know, I think, I think football, in order to be more acceptable to countries which don't play it, it does have an incentive up. to sort itself out, yeah. Become become really a game where you kick balls to people and then get them in the goal rather than, you know, pretend to have been kicked and fall over. So it sounds like some sort of manifesto you're running for um, political office. So I never thought I never play, thought that I'd FIFA stand on a football commission. Yeah, fast but, um, forward ten years, Nick is head of FIFA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. I think you know I might be the, I might have the right sort of objective outlook yeah. uh, for them. Well. Okay, uh, gentlemen, thank you as always um, to our listeners. So thank you for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer. We've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Allop Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.